Well, everyone, let's come on in and grab a seat right where you're at. Just kidding. Nobody's here. Not yet, anyways. Guys, welcome to our South Beach Church service uh, at home. But I am at the warehouse preaching this service once again. And it is week 13 of COVID quarantine shelter in place. And we are preparing this service right now on a Thursday for you to enjoy and watch on a Sunday. And I just want to encourage you guys as we gather around the table or the TV or your iPhone or whatever's going on in your life. Here's the deal. We are excited about what God is doing slowly. Is it not slow? This is week 13. But what God is doing to bring us back to the building. We've made a few minor improvements. We put some paint on the walls and some new carpet in the hallways and the Sunday school rooms. And we're excited. And here's what we're doing, just so everyone knows the trajectory, because everyone wants to know, when are we coming back to church? And I get it, because I'm asking the same question. Before I answer that, let me say this, though. The building hasn't been open, but the church has never closed. You realize that, right? <laughs> you can't close the church. It doesn't work that way. The building, man, buildings come and go. Buildings are temporary. The church is eternal. And so while the building hasn't been used, the church has kept moving. But here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're waiting for. When phase two happens, I don't know, I text Dean Sawyer, mayor today. What's up, Dean? I texted him and asked him, do you know? And they're going to make some applications later tomorrow, Friday, and we'll know on Monday. And when we'll be in phase two? So to answer your question, when are we coming back? As soon as we get to phase two, okay? One or two Sundays after that, we will return to our nine o'clock, 11 o'clock, and six o'clock meetings as per the restrictions allowed in phase two. We'll have meetings in here. We'll continue our online services for people to watch at home, those who maybe aren't quite ready to come back during phase two or those who know they shouldn't come back. You are maybe older or have a compromised immune system. We're gonna continue to put the services online, but man, be praying. Pray, Lord, thy will be done. When we're ready to come back, Lord, when our county deserves to go to phase two, what I mean by that is, is that we found ourselves completely in control with this virus. So be praying for that, guys. And in the meantime, the church hasn't stopped doing things. As a matter of fact, on Tuesdays here at South Beach Church, our Celebrate Recovery group meets. The women meet at 6 p.m. and the guys meet at 7 p.m. And they circle up and they pray and they have their open sharing groups so CR Tuesday nights. The youth group has also been meeting outside, doing projects. Contact Pastor Rory if you want to know what their schedule is when they meet here. They also do Zoom meetings online. And also our Sunday school pastor, Bo, has been sending out curriculum and links every single week to our parents so they can lead their kids through Sunday school material. Our young adult group has been gathering at Pastor Adam Durkin's house in Walport. That's ages 18 to 24 or something like that. So you can contact Pastor Adam Durkin and meet with those guys and gals too. And our life groups, this is so exciting. Our life groups have blossomed during this time as people are coming back to you know, 10 or less or 25 or less gatherings in their homes. And we wanna make sure that you know that you can do a life group right now. We put together at the end of every sermon, life group questions, and now a brand new edition, life group videos, where I lead you through the questions. And it's so easy to lead a group now. You just assemble some people at your house, hit play on the YouTube video or on our website, on our life group page, and I walk you through the questions. Question number one, I talk, and then you hit pause and go and talk about it in your group. So all that's brand new life groups are the way that we assimilate, listen, and apply 
the content and the truth that we hear on Sunday morning. So life groups are happening as well. And don't forget to send us an email at southbeachchurch at gmail.com. Pastor Marty has been sending out the Pastor Marty newsletter. Over 400 people are on that email list, getting that every single week, staying connected with what's happening here at South Beach Church. Also, check this out, ladies. The ladies have been Zooming together Bible study Wednesday mornings at 10. If you want more information on that, contact Ula or Pastor Adam and we'll get you connected this Wednesday, 10 a.m. That's happening for our gals on Zoom as well. And the last announcement before we kind of get into worship is to remind you that we are reading through the New Testament together book by book, and we come to now June, it's June, believe it or not, and in June, I don't know if you guys printed this out off our website or Facebook or whatever the case is, or I'll send the link out in an email this week, we are going through six different books, okay, in June. We're finishing Romans, then we're jumping into Ephesians, and then we're going Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and then at the end of June, we're starting the book of Luke, crazy town, this is like a action-packed month, that leads me to where we are today. If you haven't been following along, today we're in Ephesians chapter 2. Today would be June 7th, the day you're watching right now. And I just want to remind you what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, right around verse 19. This is so good. If you haven't read it yet, and I I read it today before I I prepared to teach this. And when it came to chapter 2, this is my exhortation before worship, okay? Those announcements are over. Super fast. Only took five minutes. New record. This is what it says in Ephesians 19, though. It says, now therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens and the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built up on a foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord, listen, in whom you are also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Here's what that means. It means that You, who are Christians, have been brought to the foundation, which is Jesus, and now you're being connected to other pieces of the body, and you're being fit together in that spiritual building. A lot of building illustrations there. And I really want you to tune into this. Have you ever done a building project before? I've done a few. And I remember one time we were doing this building project at the Ashland Christian Fellowship. We took this downstairs area of the upper room coffee house. It was like a junior high playroom, just open space. And we decided to renovate it and to make it meeting spaces for all our staff and pastors and and, and all kinds of counseling. And it was really cool. And so we put this plan together. We were excited. And then we got the framing in. And man, the framing went up fast and the doors and the walls and it all took place. And then the infrastructure the conduit and the electrical and the Cat5 and the HDMI cords and, and on the computers and all, all the cords. And, and for some reason, they wanted to save money, so they asked me to do a lot of the work. And so I was drilling holes in all of these two-by-fours and me and this big guy named Rewire McGuire. And when I say big, I really mean that. This guy was like three, four, five hundred pounds, and he was pure joy. <laughs> He's in heaven now. And this guy was so fun to be around and he knew his stuff electronically and he could wire this place together. And so I did the work, he did the thinking. But I remember it wasn't fun all the time. Man, we got to this one stage and there was wires hanging everywhere. And I remember this one day, he's like, Luke, grab that wire and pull it down. And I grabbed that wire. Man, I got electrocuted not once, but twice. Anyways, my, my point is this. I looked at him one day 
I said, bro, I don't know if we're ever going to finish. I was overwhelmed. I said, I just don't, I don't know if we're ever going to finish. And he started laughing. He was always, he was always so happy. And he, started, he laughed. He said, Luke, of course we're going to finish, man. Of course we're going to finish. And when he said that, I just I hung on to those words. I believed him. I didn't feel it. I felt like quitting. I felt like we'd gone so far and only accomplished so much. And, and it reminds me of the, the race we're in now and the journey. I've run a few marathons and the first one or five or even seven or 10 miles are usually pretty fun. If you're like me, you're not a real runner, you're just a good fake runner. And after about 10 miles, you start to, you start to have to work and it starts to hurt. And you wonder if you're gonna finish. And here's my exhortation. This is week 13. When this first happened 13 weeks ago, it was like we saw it as a challenge and a test. People were watching online and our numbers were real high and people were sending in their tithe and offering and there was no dip at all and people were communicating and contacting and life groups were ebbing and flowing. And then now what I sense in my own life and maybe in yours, just this overwhelmedness. Are we, are we ever going to finish? Are we ever going to get there? Is, is it... Is, is it going to happen the way we had intended when we started? And the thing about this that's different than a remodel or a marathon, we just don't know what it's going to be like in the end. And here's my exhortation to you. Read Ephesians. Okay, we're in it. Ephesians is broken up into two portions. Chapters 1 through 3 is the doctrine. That is what God has done. In chapters 4 through 6 are the duty. That is what we now do. And in chapters one through three, it's all identity. It's who you are. It's what God has done. He's done things. You're a, a Christian now. You're being built up. And if it feels like a remodel project right now for you, if you feel like there's dust in your eyes and there's, there's debris all around and maybe chaos, listen, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's because there it is. It's because you are under a reconstruction project. The other day I was at the church doing something. And the Lord spoke to me quickly. He said, Luke, most people want spiritual growth and, and they want to become deeper Christians and they want to have greater character by attending a, a concert. And just really just, ah man, so good. A, a Christian concert, Hillsong or something. And, and they just think it's going to be this glorious experience. But a remodel and a renovation in an update in your character, in your integrity, in your faith, man, it's it's actually dustier and dirtier and sometimes even darker than that. And I just want to exhort you and encourage you. If you're troubled right now, if you're oppressed or upside down, chances are God has taken your heart and like mine right now. And he's turned it inside out. And he's kind of just doing stuff, rewiring it and getting stuff put back. He's going to put it back together again. What do we do? We keep running. We keep showing up. And we let, listen, we let the Lord work in us something that could not be worked in us apart from the remodel that we're in right now. He's doing stuff in you. He's always working, even when it doesn't seem like or feel like he's working. That is the promise of God. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to remind ourselves of that by going to worship and we're going to praise our God, our King, by faith. We're going to lift up our holy hands to him. We're going to sing and let it, our lips please his ears. And so would you bow your heads and close your eyes right now as we prepare to worship. Father, in Jesus' name, we do worship you by faith, not by sight. And we worship you because you are worthy of our praise, regardless, Lord, of what we're feeling or going through right now in the remodel of our souls. You are good. You are good. 
you are good. And so we're going to praise you. Would you honor this time? Would you help us, Lord? Pastor Ryan has put together a set for us again to lead us into your presence. Help us, Lord, to, in spite of all other things, ourself and our circumstances, find you in this time. Would you meet us right where we're at? We do pray, Lord, that you'd bring us back to the building soon. We just lift up our culture, our community, our church. Right now, Lord, there's so many tensions. It's such a tough time in our society. Lord, there's just so many things that are troubling. And I wonder what is happening. And yet I've heard you speak to me. I'm remodeling. I'm remodeling my people. I'm remodeling my whole world. And I pray in Jesus' name we wouldn't miss the teachable moment that you've set before us. We do pray for the hurting, Lord, those who are troubled, those who are oppressed, those who are lost. Holy Spirit, would you do a work? And even now, bless this time as we seek your face, for in your presence is fullness of joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. See you. 
Well, everyone, I hope you guys had an amazing time worshiping the Lord, maybe confessing your sins and repenting of where you are in order that you might be led by God to be where he wants you to be. And one of the other great ways that we worship the Lord is by studying his word. Worship isn't just singing, it isn't just praying, but it is also studying, which is really important for you in your morning routine as you read through the word. It's a form of worship where you submit to God and say, hey, Lord, I want you to show me how to live. I want you to show me what to do. And I want you to remind me of your ways. This is another way of worship. It's the worship study portion. So take your Bibles and check this out. Open up to Judges chapter six. This is where we ended two weeks ago when we were studying in Judges six. And then one week ago, we were in Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter two. But now we want to finish up that story in Judges. So it's Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, the seventh chapter of the Bible. And we're going to end uh, in the seventh chapter of the seventh book of Judges. So turn there right now. But again, I want to remind you about the Old Testament. And hopefully you have these verses memorized. The two verses are 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Okay, that talks about the Old Testament and what it means. And then this verse, Romans 15, 4. I've read it to you so many times. I'm going to read it again. It says, For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience, comfort of the Scripture, might have hope. We're going to study the life of Gideon today because we need to learn something about patience. We need to be comforted in our present journey, and we need to continue to have that hope. Dude, it is almost, almost, it's not, but it almost, it feels, but it's not. It almost is hopeless out there right now. There's just so many hot-button issues. The whole world is at a boiling point with COVID-19 and with this racial injustice and things that are happening right now in front of our eyes. There's pain. And I'll tell you what, one of the things that has helped me in my life when things get upside down and very, very difficult, whether it's something somebody else does or something I've done, I use the lens of scripture to remind myself of what God has done in the lives of men and women before me. Therefore, I know what God can do, and I even get glimpses and clues of what God is going to do. So Judges chapter 6. Now, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we studied this. You remember that Gideon is in the wine press. That is where he is shredding, or should I say, uh, where he's threshing the wheat. Probably shredding the wheat. That's shredded wheat. He's doing that stuff, and he's hiding out, and God shows up and says, Almighty man of valor, I'm with you. And two things come to Gideon's mind. Number one, uh, I'm not really a mighty man of valor. I'm kind of hiding out. And I'm pretty sure God's not with us. Those two things don't make any sense. And when God called him, listen, please, a mighty man of valor, Gideon began to complain. He's like, I'm not mighty. I'm the least biggest tribe of the nation of Israel. And I'm the biggest baby in the least tribe of the children of Israel. I can't do nothing. And instead of God telling Gideon, oh, no, Gideon, you're, you're better than that. You're a big boy, and, and I've seen you bench pressing there at the, at the gym. I see. Instead of God building Gideon up in himself, boosting his confidence, instead of raising his self-confidence, God told Gideon in chapter 6, Gideon, I'm going to be with you. You're actually, you're right. You're just Gideon. You're hiding out. You're the smallest tribe and the smallest dude. But with me, we make a pretty good team. You know what you don't need? You don't need more self-confidence. I'm not messing. 
believe it or not, I have kind of a low self-confidence personally. I grew this beard out to hide that, but that's my problem. What you don't need is more self-confidence. What you need is more God confidence. You need more confidence in God. And when God saw Gideon, he said, mighty man of valor, you know what makes you a mighty man of valor? Me. I'm with you. And God's not going to build you up and tell you you're doing a great job because chances are you're not. And even if you think you are, you're probably not. But the thing that makes you and me and the body of Christ different and strong and powerful and life-changing is Christ in us. It's a God confidence. And he begins to build them up in this way. And we saw Gideon then was called and he communed. He spent time with the Lord. He made him that food and then he consecrated himself and his family to the Lord. Remember that story? God told Gideon, hey man, I'm gonna do a work through you. But before I do a work through you, I gotta finish the work in you. Go to your dad's house and cut down these poles, these Ashtaroth poles and this, this shrine for Baal. We gotta take down this stuff because God will rarely do a work through you until he does a deep work in you. And right now, if you're looking outside your window or on Facebook at them and they and those and others, eh, it's not that hard. It's not that hard to be a critic. What you should do is look in the mirror of God's word and say, Lord, what's going on in my life? May I not be surprised at the pride, at the anger, at the fear, at the immorality, the stuff. Matter of fact, if you're a Christian, have you been surprised at some of the things that you've thought up in your mind? (laughs) Have you been surprised at some of the things you've done with your hands? If you're a Christian, are are you surprised at some of the things that you've looked at with your eyeballs? Are you, are you, (sighs) and God wants to work on all that stuff. He will. He'll bring it to the surface and he'll burn it up at the altar. And he told Gideon, go make an altar there at your dad's place and burn those things, man. Well, Gideon in chapter six, he gets in trouble for some of this stuff, but God's doing a work through him. And then as he continues to go, God says, now I want you to assemble the army. We're gonna find our scripture today in verses 33 and 34 of chapter six. Check this out. It says, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east, they gathered together and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. Stop right there, eyes up here. Gideon's following the Lord. God's giving him direction. He's doing things. And what does the enemy do? Comes in triple fold. The Midianites, the Amalekites, the people of the east. Like that doesn't sound good. And they post up in Jezreel. They're like, all right, we heard about this Gideon cat. We heard he's tearing down altars and he thinks he's such a boss. And you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna come after him. And let me just remind you, when you decide to step out for the Lord, okay, the enemy will come in closer and he will come in bigger. Now, how many guys don't like that? Raise up your hand, you don't like that? You're gonna try and start a life group. Enemy's coming in. You're gonna try and go plant a church. Enemy's coming in. You're gonna try and do devotionals at your house with your wife and kids. Enemy's coming in. He's gonna become closer and he's gonna get bigger. Why? I just wanna remind you, we're in a war. This is a spiritual war. We're in a war right now. We've been studying through the book of Revelation. We're in chapter 16. We'll be back there shortly. And we see that there's a war for the title deed of planet Earth. And when you make a move, don't be surprised if the enemy comes in bigger and he posts up closer. Let me read a verse to you out of Isaiah. It says in Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. (sighs) Gideon, 
You know what he does next? Let's just read it because I'm going to run out of time here. Look at verse 34. It says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and then he blew the trumpet and the Abizarites gathered behind him and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali and they came to meet him. Stop right there, eyes up here. This is so dope. Gideon, he blows the trumpet. But look at verse 34 again. Keywords. It says, but the spirit of the Lord came upon him. The, the Lord raises up a standard against the enemy. The enemy's real. Don't be deceived. You feel like you're taking shots. You feel like you're getting chased. You probably are. But the enemy cannot stand when the Lord raises himself up bigger and stronger than that which is formed against you. This is good news. Now, here's the deal. He raises up this group of people to come with him and they begin to follow him. Now, God then wants to whittle down this group. And before he whittles down the group, though, Gideon, he has all these guys. He has 32,000 men. And in the rest of chapter 6, I don't have time to develop it. You're probably very familiar with it. It's the fleece portion of Scripture where Gideon says, You know what, Lord? Can you just prove to me that you're for me, not against me, and that this is all going to go well? And he asks God to put dew all over the ground and to leave the bowl dry. And the next day he asks again, but he reverses the request and says, Can you fill the bowl and make the ground dry? And, and he puts a fleece out. Now, stop right there, eyes up here. God had already proved to him, because Gideon already argued, in chapter 6, God said, I'm here with you. And he said, well, and he said, look, get a bowl, cut it up, put it on the rocks and touch my stick to it. And he touches a stick and it flames up. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, and God already gave him a sign. Then he blows the horn. Holy Spirit's there. He's moving. And Gideon's like, you know what? Oh, I need another sign. I need another sign. And God gives it to him. And the very next day, Gideon's like, you know what? Uh, I need another sign. I need another sign. Two things are revealed in this story. Number one, God's amazing forbearance and patience and long-suffering with his children that are struggling in their faith. God, God already showed him once. He showed him twice. He showed him three times. God could have, <laughs> did I stutter, Gideon? You know, but instead he's like, I get, I get you, Gideon. And I have done counseling with Christians, seasoned Christians, who are upside down and have fallen out of the boat and got weird. And I can, sometimes if I'm not careful, I'll be condescending and critical and say, What's, don't you know, has, has, has God not been faithful to you? You know what, the Lord, he, he labors long with the struggling sheep. If you're a seasoned Christian and you have seen God work, and yet right now you're, you can't help but help but ask for a sign. Principle number one, illustrated in that story is that God, he's patient with you. He's patient with you. And the second illustration that's pulled out of and principled in this story is that Gideon is the man who is recorded in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith as a mighty man of, he's, a, he's in the hall of faith. And yet here he's like, ah, uh, I need a little bit more faith muscle. I need some more science. And he's asking for stuff. And that encourages me because I wake up every day just like you do and just like Gideon did. I wake up and I'm, oh man, oh man, oh man. And I need the Lord to remind me. It wasn't that Gideon had zero faith. Listen, it was that he had weak faith. And here's the deal. Weak faith is still better than no faith. 
God can still use you if your faith is weak right now. It's just weak. Lord, help our, we believe, Lord, but help our unbelief, the disciples said to Jesus, that we're right there with him. Guys, if you feel like a baby right now and you've been just tripping and trying to, man, that's okay. It's okay. A mustard size bit of faith combined with the favor and the grace and the power of God can move mountains. It can change cultures. It can change your family right now. Do you have faith right now? A little bit? Like you're acting like a baby, you're acting like a weirdo. I get it. So am I. Okay, just there's bad days and worse days. But do you still believe? Just not if you do. Yeah, I believe. I believe you. I believe you, Jesus. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now check this out. I wanted to just kind of fast track us to chapter seven, verse one. I'm gonna read it to you. It says, then Jerubbabel, or however you say that, Jerubbabel, I like that. Then that guy, Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, because his name was changed to that, Jerubbabel. His name was changed actually. When he cut down the Ashereth poles and, and destroyed the altar of Baal, they changed his name to one who contends against Baal. I thought that was kind of cool. Can you imagine that? The Lord's like, give him a nickname. He's a fighter now. Jeroboam. He's, he's a fighter. And God looks at you, even in your weak faith and in your situation. He's, he has nicknames for you. Do you know that? And he sees you as a fighter. Well, Jeroboam, this Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. And so that camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, Hey, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying my own hand has saved them or saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Now begins the difficult and thorough process of God humbling Gideon and stripping away all of his outer strengths in order that when God did do a work through him, Gideon wouldn't take the glory for himself. I'm going to say that again a little slower or whatever. This is the, the beginning of the stripping down of Gideon in his outer strengths in order that when God did do a work through him, Gideon and the Israelites wouldn't take the credit for themselves, but they would say, dude, there's no way to explain what God did except it is what God did. And he does this in an interesting way. He says, hey, if anybody's scared or afraid, go home. And I don't know if you expected this, but 22,000 lokes bounce. Okay, they just take off. 10,000 remain. Like, that's a lot of scaredy cats. A lot of guys that didn't want to be there. And there's certain ways that God strips us down. And he takes away our, our, our own physical strengths that we lean on in order to be the husbands and wives and the moms and the dads and the ministry leaders that we desire to be. Because God wants to make sure that when we walk in success, listen, it doesn't go to our head. Last thing we need is a bunch of prideful people in the household of God. I'll tell you what, when I look around at South Beach Church, man, it's, I could easily, easily just look around and pat myself on the back and say, yeah, look at how, whatever. But instead, the Lord shows me daily my weaknesses. Man, I'm very familiar with who I am and what I can accomplish. And if there's anything good that has come from this church, 
He and I both know, and I for sure hope you do, it is all the Lord. It's not Luke. It's the Lord. And he strips us down. He wants us to not think and rely upon our own strengths in the things that we have brought to the table. Check this out, though. Look at verse 4. It says, But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this is the one that's going to go with you. The same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you. That one shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue is a dog. Laps. You shall set him apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees, face first in the water to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But the rest of the people who got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. Now stop right there. Eyes up here. This is crazy. I've been to this spring uh, twice. Each time we go, the guide says, Don't drink the water. You're going to get the... Montezuma's revenge, you know, don't drink the water. It's all, it's not ready to drink right now. In those days, it was okay to drink. And so Gideon says, all right, 10,000 guys, let's go get some water. And he begins to watch. In 9,700 guys, that's a bunch, run to the spring and they dunk their heads in and start drinking. No big deal. They're thirsty, getting ready for battle. 300 guys squat down. They kneel. They post up and they, they grab water and they bring it to their mouth and lick it. They lap it like a dog. And God says, hey, the guys who did that, they're the chosen ones. Everyone else, send them home. Now, I've listened to a couple of teachers on this portion of scripture and read some others. And some people come up with some illustrations or principles of what that could mean, these guys that are differentiated by the way they drink water. I'm not sure if there's any principles really in who these guys were or if the Lord was just saying, I want these guys and not those guys. One particular teacher says that these guys came here and they were called dogs. And in those days, dogs weren't valued at all. As a matter of fact, to be considered a dog was the same as a Gentile to a Jew. And so the Bible says here that they drank like dogs. And one commentator says that they had to have great humility. And whether or not that's the principle seen here, I'm not sure. I would say this. In order to be used by God... You do have to have great humility. Another uh, aspect or illustration that could come from this is these guys came down and they kept one sword in their hand and they grabbed water and put it to their mouth. They were ready. The other guys put their swords down. They got on their knees. They were not ready for battle. And it could be as simple as that. God's going to use men and women who are ready. Got your sword in your hand and water in the other one and you're ready for battle. 300 guys stayed ready. One particular commentator says it this way, that in order to put your head under water and get the necessity of hydration, and then the other method was to grab it quickly and take a drink. Both groups needed water. Listen, one group took longer than the other. And the application is this. Sometimes we can take too long doing necessary activities. Let me unpack that just for a second. Every one of us has to take care of our home and wash our cars and mow our lawns and we have to rest and we have to take vacations and we have to, you know, we have to live and do stuff. But have you noticed you can take too much time doing those necessary things and find yourself not quite ready 
or available to the Lord like he might have you. Just a little bit too far. I'll let you just muse on that because I like to take care of my house and I mow my lawn and I wash my car and and I, I do these things. But there is a temptation. And I believe there are some Christians who love God and love his people. But when it comes to the necessary things of life, they they can dominate you. Well, Well, these guys were more efficient in doing the necessary things. Other guys took too long. And in the last point, I was listening to John Corson teach on this. And he said that this last group, maybe it was that they were physically unable to get all the way down. They were the fat old guys, the 300. They just, they couldn't get, so they grabbed the water. And, and his point was, is that sometimes God just loves to use the, the people and the places and the things that, that we would overlook, the things that we wouldn't use. We like to have it this way. And the Lord says, you know what I want to do? I want to confound the wise by using the simple. I want to confound the world and its strength by using the weak. Those are principles. Okay, so whether it's humility or whether it's taking too long in the necessary things or or, or whether it's uh, being ready, listen, the number one reason why these 300 guys got picked is because of their availability. They didn't leave with the first cut. They stayed. They were available to be used however God wanted to use them. Now, if you're a math student, let me just throw out a few numbers there for you. And I want you to memorize this last one. The first number is four to one. You don't have to memorize that one. When they had 32,000 guys, the Midianites had 135,000. Okay, that means that they had a four to one odds of winning with the original group of people that came from the trumpet blast. Okay, that means every Israelite had to kill four bad guys and not die himself to win. And God says, you know what, four to one, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool, that's pretty cool. Let's go ahead and make it even less odds in your favor. And 22,000 guys bounce, now they have 10,000. That makes the odds then 14 to one. Okay, every Israel has to kill 14 bad guys and not die in order to pull this off. And Gideon's like, all right, all right, well, let's go get some water. And the Lord says, perfect. At the water hole, we're going to send away even more people. And 9,700 people bounce and 300 people remain. So now you have 300 guys against 135,000. You know what the odds are now? 450 to 1. <laughs> oh my goodness, this is so fun. Four, it's not even fair. This would be like me and my family. I've got five. I've got a wife and three kids and myself. That's five. Okay, we're a good basketball team, right? Five. This would be like me and my family right now going to the NBA championship against the 1997 Chicago Bulls. Like, all right, all right, I get to be the point guard, and Keisha, you get to be the safety, and and Nemo's the quarterback. I don't even know the positions, right? And if I, just imagine that. For Shet 5, F5, 1997 Chicago Bulls, and we win in seven. This isn't as funny. It's funny. We never win. We wouldn't even touch the ball. Even if we had the ball, we wouldn't touch the ball. They'd just take it from us. And yet God is stripping them down. Here's the number I want you to memorize, okay? The number is one, okay? Tuck that one away. Don't worry about the four to one or the 14 to one or the 450 to one. Those are all confusing or 32,000 or 10,000 or 9,700 or 135,000. Don't worry about those one. You know what that number is? One percent. One percent of what they started with is what they would fight with. Matter of fact, mathematically, it's actually less than one. This is so fun. This is why I smile as big as I do sometimes. Because God said, I want to use you. 
and, and Gideon showed up. He said, okay, we're ready. We're ready. What should we do? He's like, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to strip it down. Just bring whatever you got. Just, just bring less than 1% of, what, of your ideas. <laughs> just bring less than 1% of your, your muscle, of your energy. I just need less than 1%. I just need a little bit. This is a principle. And I'm going to freak out for just a minute with you guys. Okay? Because right now we're in COVID, COVID-19, week 13. And I, I sense, and don't, don't share this video with anybody. Just it's between me and you, okay? This is, this is private talk now. I sense right now that the Lord is, he's winnowing his church. I do. I sense that he's pruning his church. I do. I sense that he's, he's, he's pulling back the things that don't matter. The other 99% that, that we bring, the things that we are so into. And, and, and I do believe right now, I had a staff meeting here at the church on Tuesday and we talked about what God is doing. And we began to get excited. Lord, are you, Lord, are you, are you pruning us? Because what if, what, if, what if the numbers in the church globally, because of this, people are getting shook up and what, what if it shrinks? What if the church shrinks? What if God wants to do a deeper work, listen, in less people, in order to do a greater work in more people. Did you hear me? What if God wants to do a deeper work in less people in order to do a greater work in more people? I firmly believe that revival, a true revival, like a miracle revival, begins in the household of faith. It's not the unbelievers. It's not the lost world. It's the church getting on fire again. It's the church getting serious. It's the church getting strong and lined up with the Lord. And when the church, when the 1%, when the less, when the, the small group gets changed, God can do a work through that church like we've never believed. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna let the Lord call the shots. I don't know what's going on here at South Beach Church or in the world. We're doing our best. I hope you guys believe that. Man, we're praying we got the leadership gathering. We're praying. We're fasting. We're seeking the Lord. We're pressing in. God gave us three words. The first word was to, to lead and stand and be courageous, and we've done that. And the second word is to rest in Him, to trust. And the third word is to pray. And I believe we're in phase three where we're doing those things. And the Lord is stripping away in order that He might do a deeper work in a few, that He might do a greater work with many. Are you willing to let Him do that in you? Do you guys remember in Judges chapter 6 when God first came to Gideon and he says to Gideon, I'm here to do a work. And Gideon immediately complained. And you know what he said? Where is God been? And where are all the miracles? Now stop right there and eyes up here. <laughs> Gideon straight up asked, where's the miracles? And it's almost like God's like, you want a miracle? Yeah, I want a miracle. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you a miracle. I'm going to deliver the children of Israel. Okay, cool. How are we going to do it? Like 300 guys. Just so you know, if you ever ask for a miracle, okay, a miracle requires that in your life it become intense and out of control. Change my mind. Change my mind. A miracle implies that your life is intense and out of control. Otherwise, it's not a miracle. See, miracles are not normal. They're not natural. They're supernatural. They're, they're very rare and special in those times where you need a miracle. 
Now, here's the good news. Did you know that in 2020, our lives are super intense and out of control? <laughs> right now, it's all messed up. This is a global shakeup in order that there might be a global wake up, in order that there might be a global makeup, because God wants to do a global take up. It's just the truth. Will you let him do a work in you? Do you feel like you need a miracle right now? Are things so intense and out of control that you, the only thing that could possibly get you through to the next phase of your journey is God himself? Raise your hand if that's you. My hands are up. Like I am so in need of a miracle. Lord, would you even just start speaking those miracles to us, that you're with us, that you have a plan? As a matter of fact, check this out. In the story here, it says, Then the Lord, verse 7, he said, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. And so the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent them away, all the He sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below in the valley. Stop right there. Look at verse 9. It says, It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise and go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant. Stop right there and eyes up here. Man, the Lord is so good. He's so good. It's God. Like, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And he picks Gideon and he sets it all up. And he's given Gideon three major miracles, maybe even four. Take the winnowing of the, the body. And he narrows it down. 300. Phase three. We're 300, you know. And he says, that's what I'm going to use. And he says, now I want you to go down. I want you to fight. You ready? And he kind of, maybe he looks at it. He's like, you're kind of scared, you're kind of scared Gideon. Because by the way, up until now, he didn't tell him the plan. Can you imagine? You got 300 guys. You're like, okay, 300 guys, 135,000. Everyone's got to kill 450 and not get smoked. You guys ready? You guys ready? Like, that's, not a, that's not a good plan. That's not a good plan at all. As a matter of fact, none of it's a good plan. You know what it is, though? It's a God plan. We don't need good plans. We do not need good plans. You don't want to run your life with good plans. You want to run your life with God plans. God hasn't shown him the plan yet. He's about to go to bed. And so God's so kind that he says, take a homie with you. I know you're afraid. And he sends him down to the camp of the Midianites in order to hear a word from the Lord. Check this word out. This is amazing. He says, go down, take your servant, verse 11, and you shall hear what they say. And afterwards, your hand shall be strengthened and go down against the camp. Then he went down to per- with Purah, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts all. And their camels were without numbers as the sand of the seashore in multitude. You guys remember the camels were like their tanks. These guys were weaponized beyond any other uh, army in that day. But listen to this. Verse 13, and when Gideon had come, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, bro, I had a dream. And to my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. And it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell over, overturned and the tent collapsed. Then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon and the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian in the whole camp. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. 
and returned to the camp of Israel. And he said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. He had delivered the children of Israel into their hand through this word. Now, this word's kind of crazy. Purah and Gideon sneak down and they spy on these two Midianites. And one of the Midianites is like, bro, I just woke up from this crazy nightmare, bro. This barley bread came tumbling down the hillside and smacked my tent and tipped it over. What do you think that means? <laughs> and his buddy's like, oh, man, are you for real? Barley bread? Barley bread? Smacked the tent down? Yeah. This is none other than Gideon and the sword of the Lord. Like, we're donezo. Like, I'm not sure how they pieced that together. Gideon's reputation had grown. But just so you know, check this out. Barley. 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 Barley was, barley was, it was the poorest of all grains. It was the cheap stuff, man. It wasn't wheat. It was what they would use for animals. It wasn't, it wasn't strong. And so God gives this guy a dream of a barley loaf, more like a barely loaf, you know, coming down and hitting the tent. He says, yep, we're done. It's over. I say that to say this. I would expect in that dream like a rock, just boulder coming down on fire, you know, lava, you know, scare the enemy, Lord. He's like, how about a barley loaf? Like, yeah, I guess, guess a barley loaf will work. <laughs> That's how the Lord works. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God will not share his glory with anybody. It is not you. It is not your strength, not your wheat, not your offering. God looks to the lowermost, to the guttermost, to use men and women whose hearts are loyal towards him. That's it. That's it. He does everything. If it's his will, he pays the bill. He's looking for men and women all day long to just say, Lord, I got nothing. I got less than 1%. Lord, is that enough? I got five loaves and two fish. Lord, I got a little boat. I got a stick. Lord, I got, I got a, couple, a couple rocks in a sling. Can you use me? This is such good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and God takes Gideon and he gives him this word and encourages him. By the way, this is right before bed. He's supposed to go to sleep. And I, would, I bet he wouldn't have slept at all. He would have thought, I'm going to die tomorrow. But the Lord says, no, you, you shall not die. But instead, you shall surely live. One time, Paul himself in the New Testament was in prison. I think it's right around Acts 23 or and he's in Jerusalem, and it's not going well for him. He's been beat up, he's been lied about, and, and they want to take him out. And Jesus shows up in the middle of the night and says, Paul, dude, you're doing so good. Man, I just, oh, I just I love your sermons, and you're doing great. And he's got blood coming out of his face from his brothers. He's like, really? Kind of doesn't feel like I'm doing very good right now, the, he would say to the Lord. And yet the Lord would give him a word and say, Paul, this same message you just gave to your brothers, and they rejected you, you're going to give it to to Rome. You're going to give it to Nero. I'll be with you. I know what I'm doing. All I need from you, Paul, all I need from you, Gideon, all I need from you, Pura, all I need from you, Luke, 1%. Less than 1%. Guys, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I got to end here because we've been talking too long, but let me tell you how the story finishes. He wakes up the next day. I'll just read it to you because look at look in verse 17. Gideon says in verse 16, he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers, these jars, and torches inside the pictures, the, the jars. And he said to them, look at me. 
and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. This is a good leader, by the way. Watch what I do, do as I do. A lot of leaders, a lot of moms, a lot of dads, a lot of pastors say, do this, do this, and then they do the opposite. We learn from Gideon. He's a good leader. Do as I say and follow as I do. And he says, follow me, guys. In verse 18, he says, when I blow the trumpet and I and all who are with me, then you shall also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and all the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp of the beginning in the middle of the watch. This is at night, just as they posted the watch and they blew the trumpets and broke their pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and they held the torches in their hands and the trumpets in their right hands and they're blowing and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Every man stood in their place. And all around the camp and the whole army ran and cried and fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia. I like that place. My daughter's name is Acacia. Beth Acacia towards Zira, as far as the borders of Abel, Mahola by Tabith. And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, Manasseh, and they pursued the Midianites. Stop right there, eyes up here. Final thoughts. This is so cool. They gathered 300 men around the outpost of this camp of the Midianites. 300 guys. Imagine being by yourself. Okay, I, I, I see you. Well, no, I don't see you because your torch is hidden in your jar. But I will be able to hear you. When I hear the trumpet, it'll blow the trumpet, you know. I wasn't a, in band class. I don't know how to do that, but blow that trumpet, right? And when the trumpets are blowing, the sound of war. Take your jar and break it so that jar breaks, that pot cracks away and the light shines through. In the camp below, the Midianites would hear the sound of war. Oh no. And they would wake up and when they rose up, they saw 300 lights and they heard 300 trumpets and the sound confused them. This is God's strategy, God's plan. They were confused and they began to turn their swords on their companions and turn their swords on themselves. And in chapter 8, right around verse 10, it says 120,000 men died right down there, just poking each other and freaking out, (laughs) spazzing out. All the while, the children of Israel on the hillside playing their Kenny G trumpet sounds. Man, that's a saxophone. But they're playing their music and waving their torches. Evidently, the camp below saw the lights and assumed that each light represented a, a troop of a thousand, 300 lights, 300,000 men. Oh no. And they just panicked. I don't know what happened, but God used it. And let me just end with this because this is not a good plan. Let's just be honest. Like <laughs> you want to go to, you know, boot camp and talk to a commander and a corporal and say, I got a plan. I think, I, I think I got this plan. I found it in judges seven. Like it's not a good plan. It's a God plan. And it's a plan that used obedience and brokenness and availability and humility and God's power. Less than 1%. This is such good news. This is why I'm not quitting, just in case you guys are wondering, like, are we just going to quit? Is it too hard? Is it, is, it, is it too much going on? No. All we need is less than 1%. We just keep going. We keep trusting the Lord. Don't quit. Have you quit? Have you given up on some stuff? Have you gone weak? Do you need another sign? Join the camp of Gideon. You know what God uses? He uses obedience 
and he uses humility and availability. And here in this story, he said, here's what I'm going to do to defeat the enemy. I'm going to let the light shine, which is his spirit. And I'm going to let the trumpets blast, which is his power. But it's going to come through broken pots. It's going to come through empty vessels. It's going to come through people who are willing to let God shine through them and sound his voice to the people around them. This makes no sense. But God wants to use you and he wants to use me right now. You feel like a cracked pot? I do sometimes, actually most of the time. And God says, I will shine through you. What I want to do though, Luke, is I want to draw you to myself and I want you to trust me. I will help you. So right now I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're in the midst of this together. All this is happening and we need the Lord to shine his light brighter. It's that simple. It's not, there's nothing magical about it. Nothing, nothing outside of our own power our own power, nothing we can do except let the Lord use us. So I'm going to pray a blessing on you right now. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we, we just surrender. We totally surrender to you. You know everything, Lord, the past, present, and future. You know when we'll be in phase two and phase three. You know what's happening with corona, Lord. You know what's happening in our culture right now with the, the tensions, Lord, all around. And Lord, you know all of this. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, in all of our fears and all of our weaknesses, we come to you with less than 1%. We say, Lord, please use us. Use us for your glory. Lord, even in our brokenness and our emptiness, might your light shine through clearly to the people around us. God, would you lead us and would you help us? And we do pray, Lord, for healing upon our nation right now. There's so much hatred and misunderstanding. and Lord, there's so much violence and pain and all these things, Lord, we see in the scriptures, you say it's going to be bad. It's going to get worse before I return. But Lord, you said, blessed are the peacemakers. So we ask for peace upon our world, Lord. Peace upon our nation. We ask for continued, Lord, forgiveness to flow, Lord, one to another. Do you heal nations, Lord? You'd convict, Lord, people. Convict sinners, Lord, of their sins. And Lord, we pray for continued help, Lord, with the virus. And it would just go away in Jesus' name. Lord, we need a miracle. Gideon said he needed a miracle and things got pretty intense. Lord, and here we are. Things are intense and out of control. And so we need a miracle as well. And I pray in Jesus' name for the churches. Lord, as I pray for my local pastors here in town today and texted a few and said, I love you and praying for you, appreciate you. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you continue to do that deep work in us that you might do a great work through us. And if you're a Christian right now and you would allow the Lord to continue to remodel you and do a deep work in you, and you would say, yeah, I want to participate. I want to help in that. Would you just raise up your hand or nod or just agree and say, yeah, Lord, do a deeper work in me. It's not about my pastor, not about the church, not about somebody else. It's about me. If that's you. Just agree and receive it. Do a deeper work in me that you might be able to do a deeper work through me. Lord, I pray for a Holy Spirit anointing right now, a cleansing, a filling. Let the lights go in, Lord, and let that brightness shine out of these cracked pots. Lord, and I pray for those who are listening who aren't believers, they're not walking with you. Maybe they're in rebellion and they've walked away or they don't know you at all. And if you would like to give your life to the Lord right now, he would accept you as you are. Your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Accept his forgiveness and let him be the Lord over you. Just accept him right now in your heart and agree. Say, yes, Lord, save me from my sins. Do a work in me that you might do a work through me, Lord. Be my king and take me to heaven when I die. Holy Spirit, would you anoint people and save people right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we ask that you continue to just lead us day by day. We don't know how much longer we got. And so we give our lives to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Guys, we study God's word that we might be encouraged. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing God's word. 
And may we be encouraged today to be the body of Christ, to have answers for those with questions, to have healing with, for those with hurts, to have wisdom for those who are wondering. So may the Lord bless us and guide us. Don't forget, go online, southbeachchurch.org. You can watch the life group questions that will go with this teaching later this week or even this Sunday. They should already be posted up there. You can also find all kinds of ways to connect with us in the 5 by 5 reading program. All that's there. CR, Zoom in, the women's ministry, all that's happening. So guys, keep praying. We will be back soon one day and I won't have to just preach to a camera and make up my own jokes and laugh at myself, but we'll do it together. But until then, I love you guys. God bless you. Send your emails to us if you have prayer requests at southbeachchurch at gmail.com and we would love to help you in any way we can. God bless you guys. We will see you very soon. Thank you.